We are in the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, Solomon has, has talked about a lot of stuff, but as we get to it now, we're in chapters 10 and 11, and chapters 10 and 11, here's what you need to understand. It's kind of like he takes this, this, up until now he's been talking about life and life under the sun and everything else, and we talked last week in chapter 9 about the idea of making your life count. And when we get to chapter 10, what Solomon's going to do is he's going to tell you some practical things about life. And so chapters 10 and 11 are just kind of like a mini Proverbs, if you will. So we're going to walk through it. I'm going to do it section by section and hit some things, and then we're going to try to wrap it all up with some things that we can apply. So here we go. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 1. I love this verse. It's awesome. Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment. And it caused it to give off a foul odor. And that's in the Bible, folks. And believe it or not, you can apply that to your life. We're going to talk about it in a second. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. Again, in this culture, you have to understand, we didn't have like uh, baths and showers every day. So you would get all hot and stinky. And the way, so if you came to like a, a, a group setting, if you're going to a wedding or if you were going to meet somebody in the mark, the only thing you had to do was put on perfume. And that's why in some of these cultures, perfume people are like, you know, in America, we don't use that much of it. You know, I mean, junior high boys do. But, I mean, <laughs> as a whole, we don't do that that much. And, but in this culture, there's a big deal. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, the perfumer would mix this thing up, and he would get these things just right, and then a dead fly would get into it and ruin it. And it would take all this guy's work, and it would ruin it. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, in life, it's the same way. You can spend a lot of time doing a lot of great things in your life and making a lot of good decisions, but it takes one bad one to really mess stuff up. And that's the application for us. It's the idea of be careful because... One foolish decision can really undo a lot of wise stuff that you've, you've done. And so he's going to go in, he's going to talk about leadership, and he's going to talk about these kinds of things. And everybody said, a wise man's heart is, right, is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Uh, we're not going to make any political statements there. Uh, even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he's a fool. If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, don't leave your post. For conciliation pacifies great offenses. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, you know as well as I do. Have you ever seen somebody and you just knew they were a fool? You just knew that they were going to make really poor decisions? Okay? Um, You know, again, this is not a comment on tattoos, but I'm just telling you. When you take and you put a tattoo all the way across your face like this, you've kind of limited your options. All right? And you kind of need to figure that out. All right? And, 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 and you know, it's kind of foolish because it's like, wait a minute. You, that's not something you can undo. You know? And so what he's saying is he's saying, look, you know, you can kind of spot a fool. You get to a point that you can kind of watch people do foolish things and see foolish people. And then he goes on to say this. But he says, if a spirit of ruler rises against you, don't leave your post for conciliation pacifies grace offenses. What, what he is talking about here is this. He said, look, there comes a time, and this is an old word that we don't use anymore. There comes, an old, there comes a time that deference is a good thing. And deference was this idea of 
I'm going to defer to you. In other words, I'm not going to open my mouth. And he talks here about a ruler or a boss, maybe, who chews you out. That's a really good time for deference. That's a really good time to just take the high road and keep your mouth shut. Because if you open your mouth, it could really turn out worse for you. Again, he's giving us practical wisdom. And he's saying, look, in the job market, that, that, that boss may be in a bad mood, and he may tell you off, and he may chew you out, and you may want to give him a piece of your mind, but you can't afford it. So don't just be quiet and, and, and choose the high road here. Don't react like you want to. And he goes on to say there, there's an evil I've seen under the sun as error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity while the rich sit in a lowly place. I've seen servants on horses while princes walk on the ground like servants. He says, look, you, you and I have seen this in a workplace. You've watched somebody get hired that was related to somebody higher up and they promoted that guy, and, and, he was, and he was a fool? And there's no way in the world he should have had that position? So you watch, and this is what he's saying, you watch in the real world out there, you watch people who should be at the bottom get promoted to the top, and people who should be at the top are on the bottom. He said, understand that's the way it works. And we've all seen that play out in the work world. You've always watched people, you've watched people, sometimes the people who deserve the promotion get it, and sometimes it's given for some other reason. And Solomon says, look, I get that's the way that it works. But just be careful here, because at the end he's going to tell you how to handle that. He goes on. Um, and so here's what he says. He, he starts to, I'm going to kind of group this into some sections for you. The first thing he's going to tell us is this. Um, go to the next thing, guys. Uh, he said, uh, it's the idea of, look, be careful. Um, be careful. Let me read it, and then we'll go through it line by line. He who digs a pit will fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them. He who splits wood may be endangered by it. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, in the choices you make, you need to be really careful. You need to consider both sides. And he uses a whole series of things here. He says this, he who digs a pit will fall into it. I watch people, I've observed people that they want to get even with somebody else, so they, so to speak, set a trap or dig a pit for them. You see this a lot in divorce, where it's like, you know what, I'm hurt, and because I'm hurt, I'm going to hurt you. And so they dig a pit, or they, they come up with something, so to speak, that's going to hurt that other person. And then you know what happens? they end up getting hurt by it because it boomerangs back and they didn't expect it to go this way. That's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, look, be really careful. You're going to go dig a pit and set a trap for somebody else. You better be really careful because you know what? That may come back and bite you. He uses this idea literally of the idea of, of, of whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. It's that idea of that wall's there for a reason. And if you're going to go under it or over it or through it, there's a chance that whatever's on the other side of it may hurt you. I always tell people, look, one of the things you need to do in life, you need to set boundaries. You need to know what your boundaries are. And you need to know what boundaries are movable and what boundaries are not. And in my life over the years, here's what I've observed. When I set a boundary, and even though I may have a good reason and a biblical reason for going around it, 99% of the time, 
it ends up, I, I shouldn't have done that. You have those walls, you have those things there for a reason, okay? And, and I just want to challenge you because sometimes what we do is we set up these boundaries to go, you know what, because of this circumstance, I'm going to make this exception. And we end up getting hurt by doing that. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, be careful. You're going to go through a wall? There's a reason that wall's there. And what's on the other side of that wall? Kids, listen to me. Kids, teenagers, listen to me. Your parents have one job, to put up boundaries so that you don't make mistakes that you pay for for a lifetime. And those walls are put up there. Your parents' job is to put up the walls. If you choose to go over them, that's on you. And you can't come back and go, well, you know, the reason I did it was because of my mom. No, no, no. Your mom and dad set the walls. The second you go over it, you are no longer under their protection. You're on your own. And the consequences are coming down your road and your life. And parents, your job is not to be their friend. Your job is to put up the walls, to put up the boundaries. Your job is to keep them safe. I mean, you think about it for a minute. From the time they're little, little, little. I have a granddaughter now. From the time she's little, we try to keep her safe. That's our job. That's our responsibility. So as soon as she starts crawling, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay on my floor, and I'm going to look at everything from the eye level of a child. And anything that I see, I'm going to make sure it can't hurt her. So I'm going to go shove those little plastic things in all my outlets, and I'm going to go do those things. And, and because I realized, you know what, I have a whole set of DVDs that is ground level. Um, Got to do it. Why? Because my job is to protect her. I don't know why all of a sudden they get to be teenagers and it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I, I'm just so, I don't want to tell them no. You've been telling them no for 14 years. Why should it change now? You know, they're used to it by now. Oh, but they're so pervade, you know, they, they so, they keep, trying to push me and push me and push me. That's their job. Their job is to push their buttons. And your job is to react as an adult. Okay? Um, be careful about the walls. He goes on to say this. Um, he who quarries stones may be hurt by them. I, this is the idea of a lot of times they would, they would dig for something valuable. Think, think in the terms of uh, diamonds or gold or whatever else. Well, here's a problem. Sometimes you can spend so much time pursuing something and then you don't realize that the thing you pursued ultimately is the thing that hurts you. I've watched all kinds of business, uh, business people pursue a promotion. In order to pursue that promotion, they had, to, they had to step on a lot of people and hurt a lot of people to get that job. But what they don't realize is once they have that job, they need those people and those people aren't loyal to them and those people don't want to help them. And the thing that they pursued ends up being the thing that destroys them. You've seen it as well as I do. People who have pursued money or title or position or a certain thing, and all of a sudden that thing. I watched. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going there. I watched a culture pursue sports to the point that it's hurting families. I've watched a culture that has pursued entertainment to the point that it's impacting the church. 
we got to be careful what we pursue. You know, one of my philosophies for a, for a parent and for church and for anything else in my life is, it's a very simple principle, mom, dad, grandparent, whatever else, you get what you honor. You tell me what you're going to focus on, you tell me what you're going to promote, and I'll tell you what you'll probably produce. And you know, in a culture, look, in a culture where you pay, a, pay somebody to play ball millions of dollars, and you pay a teacher barely a sustainable living or a nurse or a doctor or a nurse or a fire worker or an EMT person, what do you expect? We get what we honor. And we got to understand that. And that's what, and what Solomon is saying here is, look, be careful what you pursue. You want to go quarry the stones? Okay. But that may be the thing that's also going to cost you. And then he talks about the idea of just splitting wood. And the bottom line is this. There's some things that are just dangerous. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful, you know. Uh, be careful with it. And then he goes on to just a very simple principle. He says this, look, if the axe is dull and you don't sharpen the edge, you've got to use more strength. Wisdom brings success. I worked for a wood carver, and one of the first things he taught us was how to sharpen our knives. We had some really nice knives, wood carving knives. Made it, made, they were Switzerland-based. They were made Swiss. Special steel, special handles, special everything. But we could not use them until we could shave the hair off the back of our hand. If we couldn't go like that with a knife and shave all of it and just clean all the way to the skin, we couldn't use it on a piece of wood. And we were taught, why? Because the, when it becomes dull, you have to use too much work, and then you hurt the wood, and you hurt what you're trying to create. And that's what he says. Look, some of you, there are some things right now that you're doing that <clears throat> the bottom line is you need to work on sharpening stuff up because what's happened is you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. I always tell parents, when parenting kids, look, you've got to stay one step ahead of them if you haven't figured this out yet. Because they pick stuff up really, really quick. So be sharp enough to go out and read about other kids. What my wife and I did, here's what we did. We figured, why should we alone learn what somebody else already knows? So if our kids were toddlers, we got with people who had kids in kindergarten and first grade because that's where we were headed next. And when our kids were in elementary school, we got with parents who had junior hires, and we found out what all those issues were. And when our kids were in junior high, we got with parents who had teenagers, and we found out what issues they were struggling with. And then college and the whole grandparent thing now. Now I'm trying to learn from grandparents on what to do and what not to do. Uh, I got one guy, I actually, I, I admire the relationship he has with his granddaughter, and I said, look, I don't know anything about girls. You know, they might as well be for another planet for me because I, I, don't, I don't get the whole raising a girl thing. You know, I did it the easy way. Raise two boys, have them marry two great girls. Boom, you got daughters. Uh, no work, no fuss, no, you know, it was, it was the easy way to do it. Now I got a granddaughter, and I'm like, what in the world are we going to do? So I got, a guy, I got a guy who I think has a phenomenal relationship with his granddaughter, and I've gone to him, and I've said, I want to go to lunch. I need to sit down and talk to you. I got some questions for you. And he told me just one thing, just in a brief moment. He said, well, here's one thing I did. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm stealing it. And that's what I'm going to do with my granddaughter. Um, so uh, going on, uh, verse uh, 11, here's what he says. Now, now he text, tackles this next issue, and he deals with this issue. Not only do you want to be careful, but he, it's the idea of, look, watch your words. A serpent may bite when it's not charmed. The babbler is no different. He's talking about the foolish guy. 
And you know what I mean. By the way, law enforcement people know this. Law enforcement people know that if you want somebody to talk, all you do is sit them down in a room and don't say anything. And eventually, you know what they do? They get uncomfortable and they start talking. And then they start babbling. And they start telling you all kinds of stuff you haven't even asked. Because that's what fools do. That's foolish people, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, it's no different. The words of a wise man are gracious. In other words, he's thought about what he's going to say, but the lips of a fool, he'll swallow him up. He'll, he'll, he'll. It is better, how is it, somebody said that. It is better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> the words of his mouth began with foolishness. The end of his talk with raving madness. He multiplies his words. No one knows what, what it is to be. Who can tell what will be after him? The labor of fools wearies them. They don't even know how to go to the city. He said, look, what happens is when you become foolish and you start making foolish decisions, he said, you get so confused, you can't, he said, you mess stuff up so bad. So I said, but take, stop and look at your words. Stop and look at your life. Ask yourself, are my actions wise? Are the things I'm doing wise or are the things I'm doing foolish? He talks about the snake charmer. It's the idea of, look, the serpent may bite when it's not charmed. If you're a snake charmer, you have a little window to get that snake's attention. And if you don't get that snake's attention before that snake has you in his sights, guess what? You waited too late. And that's the idea. Some of you have things you need to change, but here's the thing. You're just waiting. I don't know what you're waiting for. Oh, I'll do it one day. I'll do it one day. Really? Because here's what I've learned. One day doesn't come. But all of a sudden, you'll find yourself in a situation where one day does come, and you want to change it, but you, it's gone too far. It's gone too far. I have a lesson that I live with every single day with my finger that's a reminder of that. Because I jammed a finger years ago, about 16 years ago now. I jammed a finger, came out of the socket. I went three months and never did anything with it. I just thought it would get better. What happened was you have a little ball, and it fits into a socket. The socket filled over with, with foam. So then they had to go and do all kinds of surgery in order to get it right again so that I could use it again. Now, let me tell you what it would have taken to get it fixed. When I jammed it, I went into the doctor, and he went, okay, this is going to hurt for a minute. Boop, pop, done. It's all it would have taken. But I thought, eh, I'll, get it. I'll get it fixed one day. And then it was a couple of months. And every day I go, it's a reminder, my kids make fun of me, you know, because it's a reminder, because my hand won't go by, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a Spock thing. I don't, um, you know, why? It's a reminder. Look, you take care of it when, you, when it's early or you pay the price later, your call. And then it goes on. Uh, last, uh, the last section of it talks about this. He talks about the idea of discernment. Uh, go to the next one, guys. Uh, well, oh, yeah, that's it. What do you, oh, land, when your king is a child and your prince's feast in the morning? Oh, we don't even want to go here. When your, when your leadership acts foolish, acts like a child, see, that's tough. He gets that. But blessed are you in your land when your king is a son of nobles and princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes merry. Money answers everything. I think this last phrase is tongue-in-cheek because he's talking about discernment here. He talks about the idea of, look, you know what? Fix it when you can. 
You fix the leak when it's small, not when it's big. You stop being lazy about putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and just go do it. And he talks about this idea of, look, you know, it's great when you can be under a government that's doing what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do it. But it's tough when the government's not doing what it's supposed to do. And Solomon understands that. I'm glad you're sitting for the next passage because I don't like it and I wish it wasn't in the Bible, but it is. And some of you are going to get really uncomfortable, but listen to what he says. The next passage says this. Do not curse the king. And let's just skip the next part. Even in your thoughts. I have a real hard time here, folks. Okay? Because I don't like some of the things that are going on in government. But you know what he says there? Not even in your thoughts. And he's going to tell you why. He's going to tell you why. And I would say this is true for any leadership. But notice what he says. Do not curse the rich, even in your bedroom. The idea is in a private place where, you know, it's like, okay, give her. I'm just going to tell you, but don't tell anybody else. Why? For the bird of the air may carry your voice, and a bird in flight may tell the matter. You ever heard the phrase, a little birdie told me? You understand that's from Ecclesiastes? That's where it's sourced? In other words, it's very, very simple. You need to be careful what you say. Because you don't know who else is going to pick it up and hear it. And for those of you with children in the home, they are little mini recorders. And if you want to know how you sound, just listen to them. If you want to know how you're acting, I'm reading a book on brain rules right now. One of the things that it's talking about is the impact of your stress on children. It's scary. It's scary how it impacts a child and what it does in the brain chemistry and things like that with a kid because they pick up on it. Whether you think they do or not, they do. And I just want to challenge you with this idea of, look, we need to step back and ask ourselves what's going on in our heart, what's going on in our head, and we need to be very careful about what we say. And Solomon's taking it one step further and saying, you need to be careful about how you think about it. Because if you think about it long enough, it will come out in your speech. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's a heart problem, not a speech problem. It's a heart problem. That's what he said. So, a couple of things, and I'm wrapping it up. Wow. Um, Wrapping up. First thing. You and I have got to walk as wise people, and here's what that means. This book was written with an instruction manual on how to do everything in life. How to raise your kids, how to deal with your finances, how to deal with the spouse, how to deal with your relatives, how to deal with your neighbors, how to deal with your boss, how to treat cashiers, how, it, it handles it all. Now, if you're like me, and an instruction manual comes, the other day I ordered my wife a cart because she didn't want to push the wheelbarrow around the, garden, around the yard, and I figured if she'd do yard work, then I'm going to make it easy for her. So I bought her a gorilla cart, and this thing came, and I decided I didn't want to put it together outside, so I put it together in the living room. And uh, so I got this thing spread out all over the living room, and I'm trying to decide... Because I've already built one. 
Do I really need to look at the instructions? Because, you know, I mean, a guy in instructions, you know, that's like turn in your man card, pull out the instruction book. Um, so I decided that it would be smarter to read the instructions. And so I followed the instructions most of the time. Uh, and it went together and it all worked and it all fit when I was done. But a lot of us are that way when it comes to our lives. We say, well, I know how to do it best. And you do it your way. But here's the thing. When your way doesn't work, it is foolishness to keep doing it your way. Especially when you have a place to go that tells you how to do it. And you go, yeah, but I don't like what it says. It doesn't matter. When I put that thing together, I'm looking at it going, I think it's dumb to do it this way. I think I should be building that part of it first. But when I follow it step by step, I could see why I needed to build that part first. Because believe it or not, those people who built it knew more about it than I who have only built one of them. God knows how to do it. You go, yeah, but I don't like it. doesn't matter if you like it. Well, yeah, but that way is harder than the way I want to do it. Yeah, probably. Well, that way is going to take more time, and I want it fast. Yes, exactly. But this is the right way to do it. This is wisdom. Wisdom is not knowing this book. Wisdom is doing this book. And that's a big difference. Spurgeon Spurgeon said it this way. Oh, I had it somewhere in here. Spurgeon said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Knowledge is not enough. You've got to apply it in order to be wise. And that's what he's saying. Walk wisely. Here's the second thing. Watch your words and your actions. Take a step back this week and try to look at your words and actions. Um, throw up that picture of that cat. I'm not a cat person, but this picture illustrates it for you. Okay? The cat walking on the edge of a pier thing on sticks about ready to fall into the water. Now, let me ask you something. How does that cat walk? Does it just run across there? No, 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 no. If you ever seen a cat in a situation like this, it, like, thinks about putting the paw down and tests it. And did, did, did. Ephesians talks about it this way, and here's what it's saying. Walk circumspectly. Circumspect walking is what this cat does. Very careful before it takes the next step. Then it figures out, okay, that's solid. I can do that. Now I'm going to put this paw down. Now, okay, that's solid. Good, I'm going to put this paw down. And, and that's solid. And it carefully walks across. You've watched a cat do this. That's how, you, that's how you live your life. But some of you, the reason you're having trouble is because you're just running through like a banshee and there's danger all around you and you're oblivious to it. Because you're not walking carefully and wisely. And that's what Solomon says. Look, walk carefully through this thing. There's all kinds of traps. There's all kinds of snares. Yeah, you might feel better trying to get even with that person. But you know what? That may snag you. Be careful there. Think about what you're doing. Step back and ask yourself, what are your words saying? What are your actions saying? How does it play out? You know, I'm, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Mm, You've got an attitude you got to think about. Especially if they're good people who are trying to help you. You know, how often, how many times, those of you who've raised teenagers, we've all heard a kid look at, me and look at us and say something along the lines of, you think you know better than me, don't you? 
To which, as a wise parent, you answer, yes, I do. Because here's my new answer to the kids. Yeah, because I've lived three of your lifetimes. you got a grand total of 15 years of life experience. And two of that was in diapers. I've lived that, in my case right now, over three times. I'm on my fourth 15 years. I probably know a little more than you just based on the fact that I've done what you've done in 15 years going on four times. Because you look at it and go, I can't believe that kid's so foolish. But you know what? We do the same thing. We know better than God. We know better than godly people. We know better than wise counsel. Step back. Be honest with yourself. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Somebody else has already done it. Just go use it. Walk circumspectly. And the last thing is this idea of, look, change what needs to be changed. If the house is leaking, fix it. Now, some of you are going, oh, great, I'm going to go give my husband my to-do list when we get home. No, that's not what I'm talking about. When, if you've got stuff in your life that needs to change, change it now while you can. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And you don't want to come to the end of your life and play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. You can change it now. If you've got a lousy attitude, change it. If you're a grumpy old person, change it. Nobody likes grumpy old people. If you're a grumpy young person, change it. Nobody likes grumpy young people. Okay? You say, you know, well, you know, you know, I got this thing I've been struggling with for all these years. Good. Go fix it. Start now. You've got today. Change it now. You don't wait until the whole roof's caved in and go, ooh, what am I going to do now? I don't have a place to live. That would have been really easy. Fix, put, go up there, climb on a roof, throw a bunch of blackjack on it, call it good. You say, well, you know, I've put blackjack on it ten times. Okay, then maybe what you're doing is not working, so re-roof it. Oh, that'll be expensive. It'll take some time. I don't know that, okay, I don't, I don't know that I have the money to do that. Oh, great. So what are you going to do? Wait till the roof caves in? Then you really won't have the money to do it. Fix it now. Whatever it is in your life that's the struggle that you know you need to change, go change it. You say, well, it's going to be so hard. It's the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You eat an elephant one bite at a time, and eventually you've eaten the elephant. That's the concept. How do you get change in your life? One step at a time, and eventually you do that. You get to where you need to get. Don't worry. He's got to be at work. (laughs) So, all right. um, I end with this. Solomon reminds us that our actions and attitudes matter. He challenges us to live as wise people in this world and not act foolishly. You can make an impact on this world, for better or worse. It's your call. It's your choice. Let's pray.